Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, horror hounds, and welcome to Now Slaying, an It Slays podcast production where we break down the latest and greatest in the world of horror. I'm your not-so-humble host, Colton. I'm Rowan. And today on the show, we're going to be reviewing Knock at the Cabin, which was released February 3rd, 2023, exclusively in theaters. But before we get to the review, Rowan, I have a few questions to ask. Uh, Would you consider yourself a fan of M. Night Shyamalan? And uh, were you looking forward to Knock at the Cabin? Unlike you know, I guess popular opinion. I am not a huge M9 fan. Uh, okay. I think off the top of my head, I, I think he has like one film I actually enjoy. Which is? Which is The Visit. I really like The Visit. Okay, okay. I'm not a Sixth Sense guy. I, I miss the train. I never watched it when I was a kid. So you already knew the the spoiler probably going into it whenever you watched it. Yeah, I actually only saw The Sixth Sense like I don't know, like a year and a half ago, like for the first okay. time, mm-hmm. and I was just like, man, like I, I guess knowing the twist is kind of you know the issue. It basically ruins the movie. Yeah, that whole movie like hinges on the twist pretty much. Yeah, and I was just like, this movie just fucking sucks, <laughs> and <laughs> and you know, I. Uh, I went, I saw old in, in the midst of the the pandemic, you know, the theater. Mm-hmm. I think when that came out, it was like one of those times the theater was open for like a couple weeks and then it re- shut down afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I went, I, I still watch his movies because like a sucker, you know, I, I've got to know what everyone else is watching and I'm like, maybe he'll do it. Maybe he'll do it for me. Yeah. So I like I, I would say, yeah, I'm not a, a big fan. I I'm generally not a fan of movies in general uh, with like twists. Full stop. I'm just not a fan of movies in general yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things like you said it's kind of like six cents saying it's just you know the issue with a lot of twist films is when there's a twist Mm -hmm. i can never watch it again because it's never as good as that first time there's just no rewatchability in terms of this i mean like i just said i'm always interested when he has a new film out just because everyone else is and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what's going on. And, you know, it, it being a horror movie, I'm always, you know, I'm always going to go support it. So I, I was mildly curious and especially um, I don't know about you, but like I, a lot of, you know, reviewers that are more important than us than would have got to see this in advance. I had like heard the mumblings that it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, he was back. Now, he was never there in my book, so it didn't really uh, matter to <laughs> me. So, yeah, I was curious about this. Uh, what about you? What are your feelings on him? And uh, were you excited for this? Yeah, similarly, I don't know if I'd call myself an M. Night Shyamalan fan, but I have seen all of his movies uh, since The Sixth Sense, other than, I think, After Earth. He's that sort of filmmaker that, like, I kind of admire for being ambitious, but I think his reach constantly, like, exceeds his grasp. He's one of those guys that, over the years, he's obviously pigeonholed himself into being the twist ending guy, and as you mentioned, (laughs) it's kind of like, once you know there's going to be a twist ending, you're just constantly looking for it, and almost his movies got sort of meta 
where they just have a lot of like red herrings and kind of hints towards like different twist endings that they don't wind up being. And then on rewatches just like seems really sloppy and like, why are we wasting time to set up a, you know, a twist ending or something that it doesn't go anywhere. Right. It's, it's just kind of a waste. I, I don't know. Like if I'd call myself a fan, like I said, in the last 10 years, he had the visit and split both of which I enjoyed both of those. But then similarly, he had glass and old, which I think were both terrible. <laughs> so that, that's the sort of thing where it's like whenever an M. Night Shyamalan movie's coming out, I go in a little apprehensive. I say, oh, it could be pretty good. Like, I enjoy The Sixth Sense. Uh, I like Signs. I like The Village. And uh, like I said, I like The Visit and, and uh, Split. So I, I do like a good few movies in his filmography, but I think he would probably have more misses than hits for me. And Old is honestly one of the worst things I've seen in theaters in the last five years. Like, I absolutely hated it. So was I looking forward to Knock at the Cabin? Uh... Not really, <laughs> but <laughs> similar to yourself, the groundswell of the social media reactions of saying, like, this is the best Shyamalan movie in 20 years got me a little bit more excited. And um, is it the best Shyamalan movie in 20 years? Uh, I guess we'll throw it over to the trailer and we'll find out. What's coming? The apocalypse. Your family must sacrifice one of the three of you. Or the world will end. This is delusional. I'm on my family's side. Make a choice. We're not sacrificing anyone. Make a choice. Rated R. What you just heard is from Knock at the Cabin, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and written by M. Night Shyamalan, Steve Desmond, and Michael Sherman. And the story is as follows. While vacationing at a remote cabin in the woods, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand they make an unthinkable choice to advert the apocalypse. Confused, scared, and with limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. Now here on Now Slaying, we like to keep things relatively spoiler-free up front before getting into the more spoiler-filled discussion. So, Rowan, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on Knock at the Cabin? My first uh, major spoiler-free thought that's a positive on this is okay. Dave Bautista continues to just kill it. I was trying to think, like, how there. I don't think there's ever been, like, another, like, fighter-slash-wrestler that has entered acting that has kind of been, like, as interesting as Dave Bautista, just with his kind of want for, like, meteor roles, different mm -hmm. kinds of roles, and his overall, like, acting ability. You know, this isn't uh, a case of, like, The Rock, where it's just, I'm gonna play myself in every movie ever, and mm -hmm. uh, there's gonna be no change. So... If you're, like, a Bautista fan, like, this is a great showcase of him. It's, like, a very interesting character, I thought. You know, because he, he's kind of, like, soft-spoken, like, almost timid in this, which is, like, kind yeah. of interesting. And, yeah, I was just, like, really, really impressed with him. Uh, like, there's some pretty, like, 
emotional monologue stuff from him in this. He was fantastic in it. <laughs> this is a uh, oh no, <laughs> yeah. So this is it. I well, I'm saying in the spoiler, uh, the spoiler free section. This is where it gets difficult for me to for me to dance around. But I will say, I I think. As like a kind of single location film, it did have me for quite a bit of it. It I like I I thought that uh, everything kind of piqued my interest. I thought that it kept me intrigued enough in the story. Now I'll say this with like a, a parentheses of like wait till the spoiler section. But mm-hmm. as I was watching, you know, I was like. They're only giving me enough to be curious and uh, wonder what's going on, what's happening. And I just I thought uh, the premise was interesting. Now, I will say I've never I've never read the book, Paul Tremblay's book on this. Yeah, neither have I. I've only read a head full of ghosts by him, I think, is what he wrote that I read. I will say, like, when I got out of the theater, the first thing I did, because I was like, I'm probably not going to read the book, maybe, I don't know. So mm-hmm. I did, like, go, and I was like, I'm going to go look at, like, the actual full plot summary of the book, because I, mm-hmm. I am curious. And, of course, this is a morbid curiosity, because our boy M. Night has, you know, many a times uh, had, you know... <laughs> Luckily, this is a book that he was allowed to take from because uh, M. Night's got some plagiarism issues uh, <laughs> for many of his movies. So I was just interested. I'm like, he actually got to work with a book legally this time. And uh, what was the case? I will say, um, and I guess this kind of goes into my recommendation. Go for it. I don't know if you're a fan of the book, if you're going to be a fan of the movie. Because the movie is very, very different in tone, it seems, and plot of the book. Um, The book, like most of the time, the book is very heavy. It deals, like, with some very serious themes and emotion. And it was interesting because, you know, I I saw this with Exilia. And, uh, you know, poor Exilia barely stayed awake for it. (laughs) I, in in her defense, it was late, but uh, yeah, I I just kept saying when I got out of it, I was like, you know, M Night continues to me to show that you know he is like the one of the top, you know, I always say on on the episodes like the top popcorn director. He's just making stuff for consumption that's like pretty easy to digest, and mm-hmm. then and this. It's still proof of that, I think, that, like I said, after looking at the book and stuff, I was like, anything mildly offensive or shocking, he removed and was like, we're not doing that because the general public won't ride with me. I, I mean, I think they would, but... And I will, I will, you know, say that I will get into it. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the book comparison in the spoiler. Yeah, it's it's a little weird because we're not doing like the book review, and it yeah. feels like for a lot of it, you're kind of critiquing the movie more so by the book when you haven't even read the book. You read Wikipedia, so when when we get into it, you'll see why I say why. I just, right. I All just, right. I just, I, I, I don't necessarily respect the decisions made 
in this. Fair enough. Um, so you know what? I'll wait till that till the spoiler section and really get in my blurb. I recommend. I mean. Sure, I guess. Not really. I thought it was alright. I think if you're an M. Night fan, obviously you're gonna go see it. I also think if you're an M. Night fan, this is gonna kind of be weird. Yeah, I don't know. What are your spoiler-free thoughts? I, I'm kind of lost at words on this one. Yeah, overall, I think I thought this was pretty good. It's a significant step up from old because, as I mentioned before, <laughs> that movie's just uh, simply horrendous. That's um, not hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a high-concept story, obviously, that you may have been able to discern from the blurb which obviously relies on the strength of the cast and their performances and as you mentioned dave batista is really good uh personally i thought jonathan groff was really good there's a couple of other people uh in the cast that i enjoyed as well but i don't want to get too much into like their performances or their take on the characters they're playing uh what i will say is i did like seeing rupert grint again because i don't think i've seen him since harry potter and i i just kind of don't like it when these child stars fizzle out and have no career and oftentimes you know just have a a terrible life afterwards so it was nice to see him in the movie which is a funny thing to say with a horror movie oh it was so nice you know to see this guy (laughs) i didn't know he was from harry potter until exilia pointed out that's ron ron weasley dude i've only i've only ever seen one harry potter movie so of course you have i'm gonna not even be surprised by that um what i will say is i did find some of the cinematography choices to be a little distracting in this uh maybe we'll get into it in the spoiler discussion maybe we won't but it was something that like i was constantly noticing rather than it kind of adding more depth or kind of bringing me into the movie uh, similarly, uh, the CGI, even though it's quite sparse and used sparingly throughout the movie, I thought it looked pretty bad <laughs> as well. It certainly wasn't convincing. And without getting into any spoilers or anything, there is a kind of an overuse of flashbacks to kind of tell aspects of the, the narrative. And to me, they basically did nothing other than pad out the runtime. I think maybe it was M. Night trying to uh, evoke greater emotion or maybe try to add an extra layer to this story because overall it does wind up being remarkably simple uh, for what this family has to deal with, but it didn't do much for me. And this is, once again, this is a weird thing for me to, you know, harp on, but similar to our episode on Megan, I did find myself wanting a little bit more grit and a little bit more gore in this thing. Just really to emphasize how horrific a situation this family's been put in, this is another movie that's rated R, and outside of maybe one or two scenes of just, like, frustrated swearing, there's nothing in this to justify the rating. So, you know, once you see uh, what's happening in the cabin... Uh, what weapons are kind of laying around or, you know, kind of the force that's being exhibited by these people. I was definitely expecting a little bit more, a little bit more horror, you know, for this horror podcast. Rowan, how about you go ahead and say if you'd recommend it first. So you already said it. Did you say a light recommendation, right? Yeah, I, I said a light recommendation. I will say to add to that, like, yeah, that was that was kind of one of the disappointments in this is like, I was like barely grasping on straws to call this a horror movie. Yeah. And like you said, like any violence, like you don't see anything, like everything's cut away. There, there was mm-hmm. really no reason other than like, you know the three curse words for this to be R, which was, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, it, it, it's very bizarre because it's almost like conceptually is what makes it an R-rated movie rather than actually what's on screen because, once again, the concept of the movie is horrific for any family ha- to have to deal with, but what we see, it, it's it's cut away like long before you actually see 
any of the carnage unfold. So yeah, similar to Rowan, even though I had a few issues with it, and it didn't really surprise me much whatsoever, it didn't frustrate me much either. So I was captivated for pretty much the entire runtime, uh, similar to him. I I uh, was along with the characters. I, I liked a lot of their performances. So I'm going to recommend that our listeners check it out, not even just for M. Night fans, but, you know, if, if you like um horrors or more so thrillers you know kind of single location thrillers i think this would be a better classification then uh, i'd give it a, a recommend and with that i'd say we cut to the spoiler discussion so we can get into the nitty-gritty on uh knock at the cabin we are now in our spoiler discussion for knock at the cabin so if you have not seen the movie uh, it's time to tune out and come back once you've seen it or uh keep listening if you simply don't care and Rowan, usually I let you kick off our spoiler discussion, but... Uh, you give it, man. You give it. Yeah, I, I, I have to ask, because this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie, and as we've kind of danced around a little bit, this is a guy known for his twists. Like, what twist did you really find in this movie? Was the twist that there was no twist? Was the twist that they just played it straight and these people were correct? <laughs> the twist was not only that he had no twist was that I just think he had no idea how to, like, land the plane. And it was just, like, so sloppily done, in my opinion. I, like, I just felt he kind of wrote himself... And he was like, well, into, a corner. into this yeah. corner. And he's like, well, I like, I don't really have much to do. Yeah. Like what were, what were your thoughts on no twist, the twist of no twist? So I, I did like it because I'm hoping that maybe this will be a pattern that not every M night Shyamalan movie has to have a twist. Maybe like finally he can just basically write a straightforward, uh, pretty simple narrative. Cause like I said, this basically this whole movie, uh, it, it's, its whole conceit is basically a family deciding if they're going to sacrifice one of them while four people who broke into the cabin are almost doing like performative executions to bring about the end of the world, heralding themselves as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which once again is crazy. It's a really big idea. Like it's, it's like you're kind of with the characters the entire time. Like, are these people insane? Is it a weird religious cult? Are they actually the horsemen of the apocalypse? Are they aliens? I don't know. It's M. Night. It could be anything, right? Like, so the fact that it was just played straight, I kind of did like. Was it executed the best? The thing is, is that this movie to me is very similar to another movie called Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I don't know. Have you seen that one? I've never seen it. I'm aware of what it is, but I've never seen it. Yeah. So that one's conceit, once again, is basically it comes down to having to kill a member of your family. And that one is like way darker, way more heady. It's very like thematically rich. It's it's weird. It's like almost like the artsy version of this movie. And I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I thought it was great. Whereas this one, I was like, yeah, I I almost feel like I like a lot of the characters maybe better in this than uh, that movie. But it it was just kind of my enjoyment at the end of it. I was like, I enjoyed it, but it's almost like hollow in a way. There's not a lot there. Like it's it's once again with this such a complicated choice. There should be a lot that we should be able to chew on. And I felt like it was just simple. Yeah, I I was going to say like. That was kind of my thing with it is I felt like every scene where I'm like, oh, they could like really get into something thematically or heavy or like add some weight. And I was like, nah, nah, let's just go like as light as possible, blow through everything, just, you know, make it just as easy to digest as I possibly can. And kind of, you know, we, you brought it up in the, in the spoiler free section, like 
the apocalypse apparently just not that bad i don't know i was like this apocalypse fucking sucks they're talking about uh hundreds of thousands of people die every time you don't make a choice but they're constantly shown on tv like i don't know like 100 people die that's it like the tsunami takes out a beach of people mm-hmm. that's it <laughs> I, and then, like, the planes are going down, and me and Exilia both looked at each other, and I'm like, even all these planes doesn't equal 100,000 people. Well, yeah, they say something along the lines, like, 700 planes, right, that have yeah. fallen out of the sky. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't know. I thought, you know, there's, like, billions of people on Earth. I thought there's going to yeah. be, like, a, a little more uh, weight to these decisions than just, like, oh, a beach and, you know, wherever the fuck the beach was, uh, you know, it's like this one beach, you're going to have one less beach in the U.S. if you don't make a decision. So if you like Yeah, to swim, like I was I was kind of extrapolating from those news reports that obviously it was just like an English speaking, you know, American country or whatever, right? Like that maybe there was a little bit more mayhem, but also due to kind of the scale of it, I thought there was going to be a reveal in this movie that they had like a USB stick plugged into the TV or something, <laughs> which which is wild. But there is like a scene near the end of the movie where everyone kind of gets knocked unconscious and you know we have a little time skip as they're all tied up and everything so i was like okay they had a time to kind of orchestrate some of this and you know put their plan into to motion but no that that wasn't it at all so yeah i was extrapolating that wasn't too big of a thing for me although you know when you're hearing about a prophecy of the world being set ablaze it would take a lot of uh airplanes to set the whole world ablaze i think you know probably some bombs or war going off would be a little bit more uh you know, quicker at doing that. <laughs> Your sky also has to look like uh, the CGI work wasn't done by like the sci-fi channel. So that that's true. And that's kind of what I was hinting at as well. Like the, the planes like falling out of the sky. It's just it's awful. It's really bad. And sometimes they like linger on it and almost feel like it's like a good shot as well. Like once I guess this is kind of getting to my cinematography critiques. It's like they'll pan across the sky and you'll see like these 747s falling out, you know, one one to the left of frame and they'll move over a bit and one dead center of frame. They'll move over a little bit more. And now it's in the right of frame. And I'm just like. There was three 747s like that close at a similar altitude flying that all fell out at the same time. It's just, you know, once again, this is just like being nitpicky, but it is like weird little things that you go like, huh, or kind of like shrug at as you're watching. Uh, similarly, like I thought a lot of it was really on the nose when they were doing, um, uh, what are the characters name? Uh, Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew. And I'm saying Daddy Eric and Andrew because it is a same sex couple in this and that is what they call each other. They denote each other by their first name. And there's like this heart of the movie where they're supposed to be always on the same page, but the entire runtime of the movie, they're not on the same page. They're, it's very much like Eric, Jonathan Groff's character, is very much, you can tell he's a little bit more religious or spiritual or like believes that this could actually be the, the case where Andrew is just like hell and brimstone, just like angry the entire time. And they do a lot of shots of showing one of them on like the leftmost side of the frame with a bunch of space between them and then the other one on the rightmost side of the frame so it it's like dragging the characters far apart for our knowledge like when we're watching the movie yeah. as well or they'll do shots of one over Dave Batista's left shoulder and one over Dave Batista's right shoulder and once again maybe not everybody notices this but it was just incredibly on the nose to me I was like okay I get it they're on opposite viewpoints one's a good one's evil type of you know it's just that it's that symbology that we've known ever since you know cartoon movies and Disney movies and stuff. It's just, it's not very deep. <laughs> My issue with, like, the Daddy Eric, Daddy Andrew stuff was, you know, okay, so they, they kind of, you know, sow those seeds that 
Daddy Eric, you know, has like a kind of a religious background or or is a little more of faith than Daddy mm-hmm. Andrew. But like it's never actually explored, even though like we get flashbacks of, you know, uh, like we get flashbacks of Redmond like committing a hate crime on them. We get yeah. we get like their p- disapproving parents. I think it's mm-hmm. Andrew's parents. Like we get all this backstory of stuff that frankly doesn't matter to the story. Exactly. Like the the Redman reveal winds up doing nothing. So it winds it's just like it adds, you know, an extra 5 minutes of the movie that is just like okay, there's a hate crime that's somehow committed by one of these four horsemen of the apocalypse and somehow he didn't specifically target these people. It's just the the coincidences there are just insane, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I just thought I was like, "Oh, well, you know, like if we're getting flashbacks like let's explore like, you know, how yeah. how religious is Eric and like all all these things as well as to me like I could kind of tell from the beginning of the movie is I was like okay like this is really going to be a story of about you know as all whatever I'm about to see whatever atrocities I'm about to see is how tight is this family unit like is this family unit like in lockstep with each other how far does their love go all this stuff and then well you know it, it only goes as far as the end of the movie and then Erica you know uh decides to sacrifice himself the one that for the basically the entire movie it seems like he would have been the one to sacrifice yeah. himself so it's not even surprising and he talks about seeing like a man in the light and stuff which <laughs> basically could be like an afterlife or a god figure and he talks about basically being at peace where with where he is like yeah. spiritual and and faith and stuff so it's like of course he's the one to sacrifice himself it's not a surprise well and i thought too like because you know they they do the typical shot of like we're looking at andrew's face you hear the gun go off he's kind of in shock so you're like oh shit what one got and i was like oh like maybe we'll do a flip here and it'll actually be even though the whole audience knows that eric is the one that's gonna get it Maybe they'll be like, no, guess what? Actually, Andrew. Yeah, he's toast. Yeah. Made him hold the gun and and whatever. And then I was like, no, we're just going the real basic uh, way. So this is where, uh, like I said, I, I'd bring it up in this. So this is where I was kind of interested when I got out. I was like, all right, like, let me like check the book out and stuff where the book is a love story. And the book is about how tight is this family unit. And this is where I was like, you knew M. Night wasn't going to touch this stuff. Because, you know, uh, and this is spoilers, so if you haven't read the book, there you go. Go pause it now, or skip it. I like that Rowan's just spoiling the book against my will. But all right, I'll go along with it. Well, th- but this is where, <laughs> th- this is my point where I'm just like, the things he could have done if you just had it stuck to the fucking book is the kid dies. What happens is the kid accidentally gets shot and then Eric's faith is tested because it doesn't stop the apocalypse. And Eric's like, well, you know, if my kid's death isn't enough for a sacrifice to God, then fuck the world. We're going to be a couple in the apocalypse. Okay. That's like how the story ends is them as a couple walking off in the apocalypse okay so it is still like apocalyptic it's not like a crazy cult or anything it is actually the end of the world it's actually the end of the world still so i mean he did keep that but to me this is where i was saying like to me the religious stuff could have worked 
if that had been kept. Because to me, I'm like, okay, like, we're talking about your faith being shaken and all this kind of stuff. Where, like I said, End Knight basically was like, no, let's make this just like super boring and palatable and just, you know, Lord forbid that we kill a damn kid in the movie theater. Yeah, I I still didn't find it boring, uh, but I do agree that that would have made for a more interesting movie, especially since the whole thesis of the movie winds up being about faith, right? Like, (laughs) do you believe what these people are saying? Do you believe that the signs are aligning for it to be the end of times? Do you believe in the end of times? You know, that sort of thing, right? How far will you go for your faith? (laughs) Yes, exactly, which winds up being an interesting thesis for the movie. And one of the things that they kind of flirt with, but they never go with, is that the horsemen are kind of boring because they're very stoic and they're almost like unshakable. Like they don't actually have a crisis of faith. None of the horsemen do. They're just like very much like, nope, this is my time to go. This is my execution, you know. And Rupert Grint was the only one uh, who was a little bit off, you know, uh, Redmond. He He was like a little bit more testy and a little bit more anger and excitative and like kind of squirrely for the most part and i liked him a lot but he's the first one that's gone <laughs> so it's kind of like he he's executed within the first probably 20 minutes of the movie and then we're with three people that are more or less stoic don't get me wrong they question things a little bit but it's never enough to actually like really be the meat of the narrative and and that's kind of the same thing with the family unit i would have liked them to have a little bit more like one of them firmly believes that this is the mm. end and one of them firmly believes that these people are crazy and a little bit more conflict between it all. It's just, I think this whole thing could have been taken up uh, a big notch if there was just more conflict and a little bit more complexity and not even like not a lot, but just a little bit more intertalking between the people. Maybe one of them doesn't actually want to be executed, but they execute them against their will. Like one of the horsemen, for example, like there's, there's details here that could have made it feel more rich and less hollow. I think. Yeah. And I liked some of the stuff. Like I liked, uh, you know, some of the scenes where their kid, uh, when, you know, escapes through the basement and like, yeah, that's fun. And, and then, you know, Leonard is like trying to, uh, catch her and then obviously eventually does catch her. But I was also like, there wasn't even any of that. I'm like, this family really makes zero attempts, like other than to like attack them twice, which just, they suck at, but I'm like, no one tries to just like escape through a window or like do any sort of normal thing that you would think in any of these movies, especially like, uh, Especially like, you know, kind of like an intruder into your home movie, or in this case, yeah, uh, other than obviously, yeah, uh, obviously overlooking Andrew going out and getting the gun, of course, which is a big, well, yeah, he, he does go get the gun, but that's like basically the third act of the movie, right? So, yeah. I just, like, to me, I was like, we could have played with that a little bit more. Me, it almost, like, a li- added a little bit of more, like, cat and mouse in there. Yeah. Just anything to kind of, like, shake it up. Because, like I said, I think if it had been shaken up more, then the no twist, I probably would have been like, all right, whatever. Like, at least I kind of got this cool little, like, I- intruder home invasion type thing, rather than I was just like, all right, like, I didn't I just I felt like it was kind of like empty calories yeah I even more discussing it it is like we never really got to see what happens if one of the horsemen get killed out of order we never got to see what happens if 
Uh, they missed their time that they were supposed to die at. We never saw any of that, right? So it would have been interesting to at least answer those questions and have the people that believe to be themselves to be the four horsemen at least, you know, have a little bit more shaken faith and whatnot. It would have been a little bit more interesting for sure. But yeah, I I don't know if there's too much more to get into with this. Do you want to go and just score it or? Yeah, I, I'm pretty comfortable to score it. I mean, like, like we said, I think if anything, and you know, if you're one of those like nutso people that just listened to this whole thing and still hasn't gone and seen it and you're going to go see it. Like, I mean, like I said, I, I, I think uh, there's not really a lot to spoil. You're kind of getting what you're getting and, yeah, you know, you'll feel how you feel about it, I guess. Yeah, basically uh, what you see in the trailer is what you're getting. There's no <laughs> twists, no turns. That's, that's what you're getting and that's it. So if you're new to the podcast, our review rubric is nay, okay, yay, or slay. So Rowan, uh, what would you give knock at the cabin uh, so i'm i'm giving it an a i was not a nay uh, i'm giving it an oh a. my god i uh, i i said when when we got out of the theater you recommended it and said it was all right in, in the I mean, non-spoiler I, section I, I said if you're gonna go see it you're you're probably gonna go see it if, if you're an m night <laughs> fan i mean i'm not an m night fan i so oh my. for my personal taste it's a nay when I got out of the f- theater, all I said is, boy, I wish I had to just went and saw Infinity Pool again or Ugh. or literally anything. I could watch any. I could watch Tar in the theater right now. Uh, yeah, I just it, it, it wasn't it wasn't for me, dog. I just uh, I wasn't feeling it. Like I said, I, I was intrigued for a bit. And then when I was just like, oh, it, it really is like I'm just watching an hour and 40 minutes version of the trailer i could have just watched the trailer and have seen the movie essentially it it just wasn't for me i i i didn't enjoy it it's going in my m night flop pile yet again like i'm this isn't one i'm probably gonna ever want to revisit yeah no i i i'm i'm good it's an it's an a i'll i'll stick to the visit wow maybe i i did say that if anything, it's made me want to rewatch Signs again. So just because I haven't seen that movie since the theater. I guess thanks for uh, making me go see what Mel Gibson was up to back those days again. Uh, what about you, Colton? I, I feel like you might be a little stronger on it than me for the first time ever. Yeah, I think a nay is kind of crazy for this uh, because so much of it is at least competent. That's the thing. And the movie did have me kind of wrapped around its finger for a lot of it. Like, I was interested. Like, as we talk about it, it's not an interesting movie to talk about. It's very boring. There's not much to discuss. But watching this simple little home invasion thriller essentially play out, I I enjoyed it. I'll give it a very soft yay. It's, uh, I think it's good. I think it's good. I I don't think it's great. Um, It's certainly not amazing. But I think it's, I think it's good. It's. It's much better than old. It's much better than glass, which are both hard nays. And uh, I don't know. I probably like Split and The Visit more than this. But I mean, it's so it's certainly not his best movie in the last 20 years. That's certainly hyperbolic. But I, I enjoyed it. I think the performances are good. I think, uh, yeah, I, it, it had me, I guess. It, it had me. <laughs> so, yeah, if you made it this far in the podcast, be sure to follow us on our socials at It Slays Podcast. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, letterbox slasher basically if it's a social media we're there at it slays podcast and if you're listening to this on our release weekend there's still a few days left in our fourth anniversary poll so make sure to head on over to our instagram or twitter at it slays podcast to vote for which movie we're going to be covering for our anniversary episode 
I think I probably know uh, which two movies are going to be duking out in the finals, but uh, I'll leave it that up for the people to find out themselves. So yeah, please go and vote in the poll. And uh, Rowan, tell the people about the playlist. Yeah, so if you like uh, music from horror movies, go check out the It Slays podcast horrific playlist on Spotify. If you have any problems finding it, you can go to any of our social media and go to the link tree and there's a link uh, directly to go into it. Uh, yeah, and we put up music from movies we review or iconic movies or just horror movies we like and we update it pretty regularly. So go check it out and get your spooky music on. And next time on the show, we're going to be covering Skinamarink. It's finally time. I feel like I've been mentioning Skinamarink in the next time on the show section for three months. It was out in the first round of our listener poll, but we're covering it anyways on Now Slang. So it's available now on Shudder. So if you want to listen to everything, make sure to give it a watch and uh we'll have our episode on skinamarink in the podcast feed early next week i think and with that uh i think that about wraps things up this episode so until next time i'm colton i'm rowan and as long as you keep listening we'll keep slaying